So, there's a scene that I want you guys to picture. You're stood there, you're in your gown, and your mortarboard, you've got your degree in your hand, and you're surrounded by your friends and family. This is graduation day. But there's one thing in the back of your mind. What next? Do you know what you want to do with the rest of your life? It's a scary thought, but my name's Oscar Luxon, and I'm here to try and help you with that. This is going to be your guide to your career, and welcome to my future. So hello and welcome to the final episode of My Future. Uh, This week is going to be covering a broad range of topics. I'm going to be throwing a load of questions at Kath and Chris and seeing what information they come up with. Uh, So let's get straight to it. Fantastic. Well, here we go then. Here's the chance. Well, the first one is, should I be using LinkedIn in my job search? Oh, should you ever. Go, Chris. Me? (laughs) Um, Yeah, definitely. Uh, Three reasons why. One, it can act as like a CV online. Not a replacement for your CV, but just another asset in your kind of employability arsenal. Um, Two, it's a fantastic resource for researching and kind of gaining commercial awareness just because like on Facebook or Twitter, um, you kind of get a news feed. So even just by not kind of studying it a lot, but kind of just factoring linked into your social media habit almost, you can kind of gain quite a lot of knowledge um, almost like passively. So that's brilliant. Um, Did I say three reasons why? Because I think there's four. The other one then would be obviously the networking potential of it. So probably one of the biggest bugbears of a lot of students is kind of, you know, there's always that housemate who's got some amazing work experience Mm. because their uncle's auntie. (laughs) actually about there's some different relation to you Um, but basically you know they've got it through somebody that they know and LinkedIn's a fantastic way to kind of like level that playing field because you can reach those people directly yourself yeah because it's another tool with which an employer can look you up isn't it as well Mm. like if they just want to get some sort of validity as to you are who you say you are as well if they look you up on LinkedIn and then they see all this stuff or pictures of what you've said yeah, on your definitely. CV you've done isn't it? and it's fantastic the alumni tool you love yeah, that as well I love the alumni you? tool we talked about that in one of the previous episodes yeah. so I won't do that now you can go back and listen to <laughs> I think it's episode two yes this is just a good way yeah, to get it is, um, people to listen <laughs> yeah yeah exactly see this it's two or yeah. three so the other thing as well, obviously, just flat out, it's a job search platform as well, isn't it? So yeah. recruiters can use it to find you and you can find, use it to find opportunities as well. So it's essentially a one-stop shop for opportunities. I definitely recommend it. There's loads of help and stuff mm. online. I reckon some of this stuff does make it sound like you'll kind of set your profile up and then you'll get a job kind of by tea time that day. <laughs> However, it's one of those things where the more effort you put into it, the more you use it as well, the kind of more the rewards yeah. will be as well. Have the app on your phone because mm. then it's accessible and you'll just look at it while you're waiting for your bus or waiting yeah. for the microwave mm. to ping. Um, and, it, you know, it, like you say, it gets into your social media habits then. It is fantastic. I really, really recommend it. Mm, it's amazing what you learn on there as well, isn't it? Like about what people mm. are doing, even from the nosy aspect, see what people you know are doing and like your professors or whatever are doing. Like. Corporate stuff. But effectively, you go on there and you kind of create your own professional network. And generally with most applications, there will be some kind of contact details for um, informal inquiries. Take advantage of that. Because um, it's just a great way of, you know, job descriptions can be quite dry as well. So it's just finding out you know, what is the real day-to-day, what are they looking for as well. So it's not about giving you almost like the secrets of search, but it's giving you that information and then you can tailor your experience and you know that you're bringing sort of the right information with you in your application 
and in your interview as well. And also it can give you an insight into, you know, what do they require from the application process if mm. it's particularly tricky. I think well. people think that it's there as a sort of, oh, well, you know, contact us if you've got some really, really, you know, major question or you don't understand mm. something. Oh, I best not contact them. That's actually the opposite. They, employers tell us all the time, we, we said to people, you know, that we were doing a, a chat box facility. We gave people the option to contact us. Nobody did, you know, and they get really disappointed. And they mm. say we were hoping that people would want to chat to us, but mm. nobody came along to that pre-event. Um, and I spoke to somebody the other day, actually, in an accountancy firm, and they said that even their high-level partners were really happy for people to approach them through LinkedIn um, and ask them questions and say, I've got an interview coming up, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. They said that they see it as a really good way of somebody who's got great um, skills in communication, great ability to network with people they don't know. So, yeah, please, please reach out to them. It's, yeah. it's almost as well, I've always seen it as like that, at bookends to getting feedback from the interview as well. Mm. Fantastic, excellent. Well, the thing is, is, it's never a bad thing just to actually make a connection as well, like you say, with the employer, because they know you're human at the end of the day. Don't yeah, they? And, like, and on the flip side, though, I know we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, whether a job's right for you or is it the right environment. And up front, then, you can find out, is it something you want to do as well? So I think I, I've done a few of those kind of interviews where you're going to actually, that doesn't sound like what it is. I'm not going to bother going through that very time-intensive process of applying for a new role. Mm. Good point. Mm. Definitely good thing to use to judge where you're applying. Excellent. So salary and start dates are not often included in job adverts. How and when would you ask an employer about them? I assume this is basically without being rude, sort of going straight in and just being like, how much money are you giving me? Well, I'm a really big, it's like quite big on LinkedIn and stuff at the moment, but I'm a massive advocate for the salary should be kind of upfront. If they mm. say it's competitive, then why are you hiding it effectively? Mm. So I, I personally feel like it's fine to ask kind of mm. upfront, whether it's like with the HR representative or whatever contacts you've got. Um, and in terms of start date, that's a bit of a weird one in a sense. I suppose it's whenever you're available for yeah, it very much depends on yourself as much as the employer, doesn't yeah. it, really? Because you might still have a job that you're about to leave. Yeah, although you, so. it might be, if it's a grad scheme, I can see the logic of that, because it might be as it's starting for, like, being of an year mm. or maybe a little earlier in the summer. But generally, for kind of, like, direct entry roles, it's assumed you'll start within maybe, like, a month or two, isn't it, with notice yeah. periods and stuff? I would just say anything you want to know from the employer is fair game. If yeah. you, you want to know how much you're going to win, you want to... You want to clarify when you're going to start. Don't be afraid of asking these questions. You know, employers are there to be transparent and open. Um, so yeah, don't don't hesitate. Yeah, and the other thing to add as well, if you're worried about going in, kind of like almost like if you're making a deal, um, is knowing how much those roles are worth as well. So just do some research either using LinkedIn or um, prospects.ac.uk just to find out what the average salaries are mm-hmm. for those kinds of roles can really help you as well yeah. to figure out what you mm-hmm. should kind of. Amen. And Glassdoor's good for that as well. Yeah, I love Glassdoor. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Well, that's a good recommendation there. Fantastic. Okay, so do I need to tailor my CV and cover letter for each job I apply? Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> yes, you do. Please, please do. Yeah, I mean, it's such a common mistake to think, oh, I've worked really hard on that CV. I, I know I'm pleased with the structure, the content. I've seen my careers um, coach and they've said, yeah, it looks good. It might look good for one role, but it might actually be missing out totally for a different role. So, yes, please tailor it each time. You need to look at that job description. Your job description, it's almost like, you know, if you were writing an essay, 
you would look at the marking criteria mm -hmm. to make sure that you're going to pass that and do really well at it. And it's exactly the same when you're doing a CV. You're looking at job description and you're making sure I've almost, it's like a mirror of that job description. I've given them no space to reject me because everything that they've wanted, while being truthful and honest, not making anything up, but as much as you can, you have said, yes, I've got that skill and it's on my CV. And I've made it very clear for you. I might have used some bold to help it stand out. I might have restructured the, the format in some way so that you see the important information you want as quickly as possible. So, yeah. And, and the one thing, I, I see this all the time where someone says, yeah, I've tailored my CV. And literally all they've done is put a new job title in possibly the profile. So yeah. it is about tailoring the entire CV, which sounds like it's a complete pain, to be honest. But once you've done it, two or three times you're applying for roughly the same kind of area all the time anyway yeah so you will it'll be like, kind of like less as you go along isn't it because there's only so much yeah employers can ask for so it's not as bad as it sounds what you want to imagine is that there's not actually going to be some nice person looking at it but you're looking you're imagining that it's being put through a system that is looking for those keywords and qualities now, that doesn't always happen. There are lots of employers who still look at our CVs, but just imagine that they weren't. Would it go through? That's, that's just how you have to think. So you need to make sure that they has got what they need there. And like Chris said, it's even little things like, you know, what you've said about your education, you might have said relevant modules include, but the employer might not actually be that interested, but they are interested in skills that maybe you got from your course. So you might just need to think, for this job, they, they don't really care about the module names. But for another role, actually, maybe there are some modules you've done which they're going to be interested in. So always think about what have I sent? Is it going to resonate with the employer? Are they going to read it and think, yes, I can see that you have made some effort here? Because making the effort, it works out. Mm. You know, it, it pays off. And, and, and oddly, your CV almost it isn't about you. It's about what they want. So if you can show that, you can definitely have a lot more success. Yeah, definitely. You just want to imagine that you're going to be the one feeding the CV to give yourself the job, I suppose. Yeah, so if you really see. like, well, like, if you were that person, what would you want? And all that? Yeah, and, yeah, and by tailoring it and making it look sort of concise and easy to read as well, if you think the recruiter's not just looking at your CV in isolation, they're looking in piles um, of them, the easier it is to look at, the more likely to be able to stay looking at it. Because if they've got options, then it might just be a case of, well, just go to the next one. Mm -hmm. So you want to make it yeah. stand out for the right reasons. I like to think. You know, I'm always sort of saying, employers, they're lovely, they're positive, they're just human beings. But when it comes to your CV, I actually like just for a moment to think they're grumpy, they're miserable, they're lunch. busy. Oh, it's before lunch. They're slightly impatient now. What they want is your CV to be really quick and easy to read. They don't want paragraphs of narrative. They don't want to be overloaded with things. So give them what they want. Make it, you know, aesthetically pleasing. Make it nice. Um, and imagine that they're in a bit of a rush. Mm. So can they get to the information they need quickly without trawling through lots of information? Because as Chris said, if they've got lots of CVs to look at, which they're probably very likely to, they're going to just move on if yours is slightly annoying because it's not got what they need. Mm. That mm. answered your question. That you is quite exciting. About we do. <laughs> we could talk about this. <laughs> Fantastic. So basically, you just gotta yeah. So in in answer to that, the, the very simple question is yes, most certainly. And it? it's yeah. fundamental, basically, and it's so an essential point. So yeah, okay, excellent. So um, our next question. So I'm not interested in applying for any graduate schemes, but I'm be finishing my degree in a few months. Uh, when is the best time to start applying for jobs? 
I mean, from from my perspective, I suppose just as soon as you want, really, isn't it? Like, to be fair, like, it yeah, can't I, be too early with this. I suppose, suppose kind of, like, general rule of thumb I give to students is figure out when the bulk of your work or, like, academic work is going to be done. Do you want to have some time off before that? Mm. Um, and then just go from there. So, realistically, I would work to kind of, like, if you're already in a job and you'd have to give a notice period. So, generally, notice periods are sort of, like, max, I'd say, about three months, right? Yeah. Class, or to about a month. So, that can be your kind of lead into when mm. you can start looking. But if you're not interested in grad schemes, it's quite hard to say when opportunities will come up. So, it's just a case of knowing where to look, which we discussed in episode one. And then, kind of just make, building it into a habit, like we talked about LinkedIn, actually, just making sure you're looking for stuff and being able to pounce on it when you're ready yeah fantastic yeah a couple of months so, before you want to start that job yeah. i would say yeah get on to really put in a lot of effort in and that's the key thing as well is job search is time consuming it does mm. take a while it takes a while to find the right jobs mm. board for you then it takes a while to actually sift through and think about where do you want to have that job work you know what location maybe always use the filters you know mm. um but yeah it takes time and effort so some people will decide to maybe delay it a little bit I suppose the only other thing to factor into that, if you you are kind of like desperate to get something because like you obviously you need finance from it and stuff like that, is starting a job isn't instant either. So just from applying from it, it might be a week or two to get um, the application in for the deadline, then you could have another couple of weeks until you're invited to interview. And even then, you could be waiting a week or two for a decision if you're really unlucky to not get into. That's great, as we discussed the other day. But, you know, so get that drawn-out process. So it's Mm. definitely... It is time-consuming. So. Yeah. So, yeah, if you, I suppose... If, Sooner if, rather than later. Yeah, you want to get it done in advance. Because you can always tell, then tell them what start date that you yeah. want to start at. So and you've got that process yeah. underway, as it were. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Okay, fantastic. Um, so, where, where can I get careers advice after graduating? Well, we, we've also mentioned that, actually, haven't we? Because... Um, here we offer it for another three years us. don't we yeah yeah keep coming and seeing us keep yeah. hassling us after you've left yeah um so at cardiff university we've got the student futures account and that's the way our students book appointments and um, so you'll be able to see what's available to see your uh careers coach whether that be online uh, if you happen to have moved you know away from cardiff or uh, you can still come into the student the center for student life but um, all university departments will have some offer. Ours here is, is up to three years after you graduate. Um, but many universities are sort of similar offerings. Excellent. And if you're beyond that graduation period, most places, particularly in the UK, will have some kind of national initiative you can access mm. for free as well to get careers advice and guidance. Fantastic. So there's quite a bit available to you once you graduate then. Um, so... Um, how to approach a supervisor or employer about concerns and well-being issues. Um, that's an interesting one. The best way to do it. I, I would just say, just do it. You know, mm. don't don't be too um, hesitant or worried. Um, employers are uh, going to be interested in making sure that you're happy because if you're happy, <coughs> you're going to stay. You're going to perform mm. well. So when you start a job, as we mentioned in, you know, I think episode. Three uh, or four? Yeah. It was a while ago, wasn't <laughs> it? Yeah, a few weeks ago now. Um, you want to, um, you know, you'll have a probation period, mm. so you will have regular opportunities to discuss things with your manager. So don't let things build or worry about them. Um, if there's something you want to bring up, like your well-being, 
um, or concerns that you've got, maybe about some adjustments you need in the workplace, um, some pressures you're feeling, some maybe some difficulties you're having with making the transition from being a student to a full-time uh, employee, then raise them. Don't, don't keep them to yourself. You know, all employers will tell us that all the time. They want their staff to be happy. So, um, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. No, this is it, like you say, because happy people are very productive at the end of the day, isn't it? So that makes a, that makes a lot of difference. Um, okay, so what have we got next? Um, we've touched on this a bit, actually. Um, all of my course mates have jobs lined up when they finish, but I still don't uh, know what I want to do. Um, what if I don't get a job? Um, I think we, 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 we've talked um, quite a bit about this kind of stuff, about comparing yourself to your peers and stuff like that. And, and um um, actually using your peers to understand how they've got those jobs and what resources they've used. Um, what if I don't get a job? Um, well, I mean, if hopefully if you listen to this series, this should uh, help you a lot. <laughs> I mean, it can you, take you be, time. You yeah. don't, don't, don't beat yourself up. It can mm. take time. And sometimes, you know, the first job you might have might be in hospitality mm. or retail to pay the rent, you know, while you're trying to find the right role for yourself. Um, so don't put too much pressure on yourself. You know, you're here for the long game. Um, you might have been through a lot of pressure with your exams and finishing your final year. And maybe, uh, you know, you've taken a little bit of a, a sort of taken a time to get up to the jobs market. So mm. don't worry about it too much at all. Can I take a gap year when I finish university? Uh, will it affect my job prospects negatively? Yes. If you want to have a gap year, think about what are you going to do in that gap year? That's the key thing. Um, you don't want to waste your time. But if you actually have some plans to do some travel, to um, to take some employment or even volunteering, which is really going to enhance your CV, then of course do it. You might not have had the opportunity before, but it, you know it's not a waste of a time whatsoever, but it's all about how do you articulate what you did during that time? Do you make the most of it? Do you structure it well on your CV? Do you save up the skills that you've gained? Do you network while you're having those opportunities? You know, um, so yeah, think about your gap year carefully, plan it, organize it, you know, come and see your, your career advisor and discuss what could you do during that time. You know, there's so many fantastic websites to help you plan these things, loads of organizations out there. Um, but yeah, I think it's a fantastic idea personally. Yeah, and there's some stuff that sort of students do as well, that, so they don't come back and then effectively have to start from scratch looking for jobs, sort of like towards the tail end of their gap year, they'll start kind of doing all the stuff that we've been talking about, looking for opportunities, applying, and now, to be fair, most application, applications, most interviews and stuff are online now anyway, so yeah, probably it's even easier away. Yeah, to yeah. transition back, you might just be obviously you know, up in the middle of the night in Australia to do an 11 o'clock interview. Yeah, <laughs> yeah much easier than flying back though, I suppose, <laughs> isn't it, for the yeah. interview? Yeah. But yeah, I think that's the thing as well. You know, we talked about grad schemes in one of our episodes and, and you know, you might have missed out uh, during your final year. You maybe weren't quite on the game. And, you know, this is a time now on your um, gap year to be thinking about preparing yourself and getting your applications because some of them are even come out, you know, at the end of August, some of the really highly competitive ones. So, yeah, think about where you're going to be and how you're going to organise yourself and work on your CV, getting ready if you are interested in applying for those grad schemes. Excellent. Okay, cool. So um, another question we have is essentially what advice um, you'd give uh, international students looking for graduate roles? Well, a lot of the advice would be 
exactly the same. You know, mm. make ta- make tailored applications, um, apply for roles that are right for you, find a jobs board that is useful, get work experience, um, you know, think about accessing lots of support. Um, I guess one of the things for international students is English isn't necessarily going to be their first language often. So please, please be really mindful that you know, you are often having to submit a cover letter. You have to submit a CV often. You will want somebody to check it and to make sure that you're using the right phrases and terms. And sometimes there are differences as well. You know, in lots of countries around the world, um, they have the resume and it has like a photograph on it, for example. Um, and it might just be a, a very brief document. In the UK, we don't have photographs. We tend to go more with the CV, which is a two-sided document. Not always, but for quite a lot of roles. So little things like that, I guess you just, if you are an international student, please remember that your university career service is there to really help and support you. We've also at Cardiff University got loads of great information and advice on our um, platform, which is called Your Career Journey. But all universities have got great information. There's so much support out there available. Um, So it's very much the same I mean, what's great is that we've now got the student visa, which means that students, you know, they are able to work for two years in the UK after their graduation without needing sponsorship. But if you are interested in employees that do offer sponsorship beyond those, you know, those two years when you don't need it, then um, the government website has got a list of sponsors. Never print it off. I think it's about 900 pages. Thousands and thousands of employees in the UK offer sponsorship. Um, so be encouraged. I know it is challenging. You know, we, we understand that. Um, but support is available. Um, but yeah. Like you said, I definitely think um, using your de- careers part department or um, if you're here at Cardiff, using Student Futures is a very good idea. Because like you say, if, if you if you feel like you need to practice with these things, then it, there's services there that will offer that. Absolutely. Quite a note to finish on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very inspired. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much, guys. There Brilliant. we go. Thank you. All right, well, there we have it. Six episodes to help you kickstart your career in an enjoyable and successful way. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. Uh, and if you're a student at Cardiff University, feel free to swing by the careers department at any time. We also have a website, uh, the Target Connect Student Futures page, which you can access through the Cardiff University student intranet. And I'm sure any other graduate at any other university will be able to access a similar department. So. Thank you very much for listening once again. I've been Oscar Luxon and this has been the My Future Podcast. We look forward to seeing you next year.